This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there, hey there, hey there, or should I say Happy New Year, everybody. That is right, 2024. We are here, first show of the new year. Dan Grosser with you, 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. A special 90-minute edition of the Grasa program here on this Wednesday. We'll lead you right up into Knicks basketball. Knicks and the Chicago Bulls coming up tonight at Madison Square Garden as the Knickerbockers try to make it back-to-back wins. Started off the new year on an up note with a victory over Minnesota, and now they'll look to take on a very beatable Bulls team tonight at the Garden. No Jordan, no Pippen in the lineup. They're late scratches, so they won't be in there, so the Knicks should be in good shape tonight. All kidding aside, though, seriously, the Bulls are banged up. Uh, Levine's not playing tonight. Vucevic isn't playing tonight, and the Bulls aren't that good to begin with. So it's a chance for the Knicks to kind of stretch their legs a little bit and continue to integrate this new lineup, the OG Ananobi New York Knickerbockers, which we'll talk about a little bit later on there in the program. And look, to be quite honest with you, I only found out last night True story. Last night, that the Nick game had been moved to an 8.30 tip tonight. I thought that we were only going to do a little half-hour program tonight. Boom, boom, boom. Nope. Turns out they decided to make this a national TV game. I don't know why. Like, I have not been able to get an explanation for that one. Why the NBA and the powers that be decided to make this an ABC vehicle tonight. Like, it's not 1994. You know, it's not the Knicks and the Bulls from back in the day. Like, I don't know what made this matchup so appealing that they put it on ABC, but they did. And so that's why we get to spend a little more time with you tonight here on the program. By the way, Harvey and Joe are producing the program tonight. They're our pals. And you can get me on the old X at Dan Grasso. Hope everybody had themselves a good holidays, a good New Year's. And now we are onward and upward into 2024. And to be quite honest with you, It's a little bit of a weird part of the calendar when you think about sports in this city. Like, okay, the Knicks are in good shape right now, right? I mean, the Nets are – Nets are what the Nets are. You know, they got a lot of things they're working through right now, and I think the ceiling for the Nets is nothing more than the play-in tournament, but we'll see what that team looks like when the trade deadline has come and gone in the month of February, right? The hockey teams have all gotten off to a decent start here and looking like all three can actually make the postseason in the NHL, which is great. You know, the hot stove period in Major League Baseball has kind of gotten cold, so to speak, right? The Yankees made the big splash right out of the get-go, bringing in Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo, and then everything has kind of just quieted out. Mets really have not made the big splashy move yet at all. So now we're into 2024, and spring trainings are just six weeks away, and you still got a lot of really, really good players that are still out there on the open market. So we'll see when the hot stove season picks up again now that the holidays are over. But we spent most of the last several months, of course, talking about football because it is football season. And now we're down to the final weekend for the Jets, for the Giants. And we know that it is going to be the final weekend because both of their seasons are going to end come Sunday night. Jets up in Foxborough seeing if they can finally put an end to that 15-game losing streak to the New England Patriots and maybe, just maybe, send Bill Belichick out of New England, if this is indeed going to be his final game as the head coach, with a loss to the Jets, which is probably the last thing that he's going to want on his resume, despite all the success that he had against the Jets and the rest of the NFL for decades. I'm sure that that would eat away at him a little bit if that last game, you know, do you get get carried off on your players' shoulders if you lose the final game of your career? And I don't even know if that's going to happen because I'm not expecting any sort of public announcements before that game kicks off on Sunday. I mean, you know how they do it up there. They're as tight-lipped as any organization as there is in sports. 
You think that the word's going to get out before that game or anybody uh, tied to the Patriots, much less Belichick himself, is going to come out there and tell the world that, yeah, he's done coaching the Patriots and you know he's going to be elsewhere next season? Of course not. So if you're the Jets, it's go up there, get a win, and maybe you go into the offseason using that as a springboard for bigger and better things to come once everybody gets back for training camp in July and there's going to be some changes to that roster. Giants, on the other hand, look, they thought that they could make the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. That was the goal. That was the aim. And they got off to a horrible start. You know, they were able to kind of salvage a few things there for a little bit with Tommy DeVito and the Tommy Cutlets, and that brought a lot of enthusiasm and excitement to the team. And, you know, that was fun while it lasted. But now the Giants are just back trying to see if they can maybe spoil Philadelphia's chances of winning an NFC East championship this Sunday. You know, the weather's going to be a little bit nasty with that storm that's supposed to hit this weekend, a little bit of rain, a little bit of snow, a little bit of mess. You know, that's football in January. That's what you want to see, whatever. And Philadelphia apparently doesn't seem too concerned with winning the division, or maybe they just feel that the Cowboys are going to go to Washington and just absolutely trounce the commanders, and they figure, well, it doesn't matter if we win anyway because Cowboys are going to win the division regardless. So that's why Philadelphia is talking about resting guys in a game that still technically means a hell of a lot for them. And the Eagles are a mess right now. There is a, a lot going on with that football team. Nobody seems to know exactly what in particular, but... You know, people close to the situation have already said that, you know, one day there's going to be a book written about the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. And it might be a bestseller because you think about the way this team started off and then over the last few weeks they've just completely looked like the furthest thing from a club that looked like it was going to make back-to-back trips to the Super Bowl. And look, they still can. They can still write themselves in the playoffs. But, hey, on January the 3rd, We're a week plus away from the start of the postseason. If I told you right now that both Super Bowl participants from last year, Kansas City and Philadelphia, were both going to be one and dones in the playoffs, would you really think I was that crazy? Because both of these teams have those traits right now. But unfortunately, here in New York, we don't have to worry about the playoffs, or we're not going to be worrying about the playoffs. Because if you're the Jets, it's 13 straight seasons without a trip to the playoffs. And if you're the Giants... It's back to the drawing board to figure out how you can get to where you were last season. And do you have the right people in place? But we have a lot of time to worry about all that stuff, right? We're going to have between now and basically March when free agency starts and really you get into the offseason with the trades and then the evaluation process with the draft and, and all those other type of things. But I'm looking at these games this week with a little bit of symbolism, if you will, right? Because in a way, there could be a little bit of a passing of the torch. And there could be a couple of eras that go on by. Maybe even a little unceremoniously, if you want to look at it that way, too. Because this Sunday, when the Jets and the Giants close out their season, you might have a couple of farewells for some guys who have worn the uniforms for the Jets and the Giants as far as playing in this town. And coincidentally enough, both of those guys were number two overall picks in the draft. One being, of course, Saquon Barkley, and the other being Zach Wilson. Now, we know that Zach Wilson 
has played his last game of the season already because Robert Sala told everybody today that he's going to be on IR and he still has not been able to work himself through the concussion protocol. So now the question remains, has Zach Wilson played his last game as a New York Jet? Saquon Barkley, he's going to play on Sunday, but there's a real good possibility that he might be playing his last game as a New York Giant because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And Saquon spoke a lot about that today and answered all the questions in the locker room just about the potential of this being his farewell. And we'll play those comments for you coming up in just a little bit if you didn't get a chance to hear them. But, you know, I I, I couldn't help but think about it because you think about the promise and the hype and the hopes and the dreams. Whenever you take a player that high in the draft, and look, (laughs) second overall is pretty high. We know that. And if you look at the tenures of those two players and what they've done in New York, nine seasons combined, six for Saquon, three for Zach Wilson. Only one of those seasons actually finished up with a winning record, and that was the Giants last year. They won nine games, made the playoffs, won a playoff game. So think about that for a second. You know, nine years is a lot of time. Often you'll use an excuse of a player and say, well, He didn't really have a fair chance or they didn't give him time to develop and, you know, the leash was too short. Nine years is nine years with these two players. So if indeed this is the end for both of them, how is Saquon Barkley, how is Zach Wilson going to be remembered in this city for their contributions to the Giants and to the Jets? Now, obviously, the onus is going to be more on the quarterback's shoulders because, after all, he plays the most important position. And Zach Wilson, or any quarterback, for that matter, when you're taken that high, you are supposed to be the Messiah. You are drafted by that organization to come in and immediately take them to greater heights, maybe even to heights that they have not been in decades, chasing championships. Saquon Barkley's drafting, I mean, I think we all know it wasn't that that long ago that there was a good amount of controversy tied to it. Not the fact that he was a good player or if he wasn't a good player. I mean, we all knew that he was good. But because of the position that he played, was it really worthwhile taking a running back that high in the draft? You're not supposed to do that, are you? And a lot has been said about that, and you know, we've, we've spent hours talking about that. And I think we all know it was a swing and a miss. Despite the fact that he's been a really, really good player. But the running back is not going to be the centerpiece of a championship team anymore. It's just not. You know, it's not the 70s. It's not the 80s. It's not the 90s. Hell, it's not even the early 2000s. It is quarterback or bust. Now, I will say when you're talking about both of these guys, I think that it's fair that Saquon certainly has a better chance to return, right? Saquon's return is, I think, going to strictly hinge on money. Giants would love to have him back. But the Giants would love to have him back the same way they had him back for 2023. And it was on their terms. They weren't going to break the bank form. They weren't going to pay above and beyond what they feel any running back should really get paid. And unfortunately for Saquon, I think that it's almost going to be a case of Groundhog Day again. Maybe he's not going to let the whole process drag out. As long as he did in 2023, where he basically took it right down to the start of training camp, and they were able to settle on something just to get him in, and he'd be able to start the season without any interruptions. But 
Look back to last offseason and how the running back market kind of developed and played itself out. Do you know what the richest deal that was given to a running back in free agency was in terms of annual average value? It was a guy who just got released by the New York Jets. Think about that. Dalvin Cook got the richest contract for any running back, and he had to wait until August. So Saquon is probably going to be in the same situation he found himself in beginning of this season. He has a worth. He has a value. He has a number that he feels he should be compensated with. But I'm sure that the Giants have a very different opinion on that. And I'm sure that 31 other teams also share a similar opinion. And you feel bad for the guy. My opinion on Saquon Barkley has not changed one bit as it did all offseason a year ago. I think he's a really, really, really good player. Damn good player at times. But unfortunately, he was born at the wrong time also. Because he and every other running back in the National Football League are no longer the commodities that they were once viewed as many, many years ago and for a very long time in the history of the National Football League. And he got to come to peace with that. So will he be back? I don't know. I would like to think that the Giants, you know what? I don't think they'd have any problems franchising him and bringing him back for another year. Now, the franchise tag is also something that gives you an opportunity to work something out, but how did that work for them last year? Not too good. Or at least how did it work for Saquon last year? Not to the extent that he had hoped it would. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, I think it's pretty evident that we know what his future has in store. And I don't think that it includes the New York Jets. Now, we could have been saying something similar at the end of last year, the way it all kind of fell apart there at the end. But the difference was that they brought him back and he wasn't even really supposed to play this year. This was going to be one of those redshirt seasons. Stand on the sidelines. Watch Aaron Rodgers. Pick up the ins and outs of the offense. Learn a thing or two from Aaron Rodgers. And then when Aaron decides to ride off into the sunset, then Zach Wilson would maybe be the guy to resume the job. Well, funny thing happened along the way four plays into the season. Rodgers' Achilles snapped. And then Zach Wilson was thrust right back into the spotlight again. And it didn't go according to plan. And I think that you have enough data and you have enough input now on both sides to where I think a divorce and a fresh start is probably good for both. And I don't know anything concrete as if that's going to happen definitively, but it just seems like we're headed in that direction, right? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. I threw the question out a little bit early. I want to hear from you now. What, if this is indeed the end for both of these guys, how are they going to be remembered, even though there's still one more game left in the season? We know one's going to play, the other won't. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ickabockers, Bulls, Ewing, Jordan, Riley, Phil. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice just to snap your fingers and get one more of those games? Oh, my God. You talk about must-see TV. Every single one of those matchups. But then the problem was, even in the regular season, like let's say, you know, when the Knicks would get the better of the Bulls, for example, and if they would win a game like this, you kind of still were just like, well, 
Yeah, but we got to see those guys again probably in the playoffs, and that's really when it's going to matter. And we haven't been able to figure out Jordan in the playoffs, right? I mean, that's what it always was. But nevertheless, for this Knicks team, it's called win the game tonight. It is a team you are better than and a team that you should be able to take care of business against at home. And, and by the way, and as I said, we'll get into the Knicks a little bit later on here in the program. The Knicks are now entering a stretch. January into next month where the schedule softens up a little bit. Remember, it was a gauntlet to begin the year. It seemed like every single game the Knicks were playing, it was on the road or it was against an upper echelon opponent or it was, hey, another road trip where you're playing, you know, four out of the next five away. It's the complete opposite here over the next month or so. So that's good. Now is when you should be stacking wins, working your way up those standings in the Eastern Conference. So these are games you don't want to punt against. Right? Because just like you have Chicago here, well, then, boom, you see what's coming up on Friday in a trip to Philly. That's one of maybe like a couple of games that the Knicks have over the next month where you say, oh, I don't know about that one. But tonight is not one of those games, that's for sure. We'll get to the Knicks, though. Want to talk some football here with the season coming up. To its conclusion on Sunday, Giants home for the Eagles, Jets in Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. Let's say hi to Terry in Stanford. He is going to start us off here, 98.7 ESPN. Terry, how you doing? Uh, Dan, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking my call. I appreciate it. So, Dan, I am still yeah. still a Jets fan after all of this, and I have a question for you. I want to get your feedback. So there's been this ongoing indictment of these young Jet quarterbacks uh, coming from the public and the media, and I guess in my view, when does the time come Mm-hmm. when we're holding the Jets' ownership and coaching accountable for developing young quarterbacks. Sam Donald, Geno Smith, there's been a conga line, all right, of these guys coming through the, the uh, Jets, and off they go after a season and a two. And I'll also add... Well, let me, stop, let me stop you me. one second. I'll let you, Terry, I'll let you finish. But let me stop you one second. Though. The sure. one thing I'll say, I don't put ownership into this. I mean, how does, what does an owner have to do to develop a quarterback? He's got nothing to do with it. Well, the owners presumably would hold the coaches accountable for sitting down and figuring out how to be strategic about these young quarterbacks. You can't live life off free agency, right? You have to no. have a balance, right? You're right. You're absolutely you're absolutely right of that, but I still put it more on the coaching and the structure and the team building. I, I don't necessarily hold it at the feet of the owner. I'll ask you this question though, okay? Because you're a fan. You said you've been a fan for a while. Nobody yeah. knows yet yeah. where they're gonna end up picking for this draft. It could be anywhere from five to I believe eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. If a quarterback is there. Do you trust this regime to take yet another soon-to-be franchise quarterback? I, I Honestly, there's been a chronic inability and, if you will, ineptitude. Maybe I'm overstating that. And no, Dan, I don't have confidence. I'm sorry. I do not anymore. How long has it been? It's been how, a while. How many? <laughs> it's been a while. So, I, I I mean, it, it, it's been a darn long while. And, Terry, thanks a lot for the phone call. I, I really appreciate it. Like, I, I was thinking about this over the week. I mean, I think about it often, but I was thinking about it specifically over the weekend. Watching football, okay? 
Think about the game we watched at MetLife Stadium. I know it was New Year's Eve, and maybe some of you were out, you know, making your plans or doing whatever it is you do for the holiday and hanging out with family, friends, and you weren't locked into Rams-Giants because the game really didn't mean anything for the Giants. But think about the two, two of the principals in particular that were in that stadium on Sunday because it hit me. You had Matthew Stafford out there as the starting quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Up in the booth doing the game on Fox was Mark Sanchez. Now, what do those two gentlemen have in common? They were both top 10 picks in the same year in the same draft. Like Mark Sanchez, by all accounts, I mean, he still could be playing, right? If things kind of broke a certain way or two in his career. And I'm not saying he's the only quarterback that didn't have a long, you know, 15-year career in the NFL. I'm not holding it against him specifically, but it's just ironic how you have Mark Sanchez, who had some success as a quarterback in that building. That was his home stadium. Now he's been in the broadcast booth for the last few years to where the guy who was taken first overall in that same draft as him is still slinging it out there in Matthew Stafford and a guy who won a Super Bowl. And if you're a Jet fan, like Terry just said, you say, what if? What if? What could have been? You know, Mark Sanchez came in, and he had incredible success his first two years, right? It's funny how that works out because Mark Sanchez had immediate success, a hell of a lot more than Matthew Stafford did. Matthew Stafford went into a horrible situation with the Lions, and they were a joke. And he got beat up, even though he was putting up some good numbers and he had a Hall of Fame receiver in Calvin Johnson, but his teams weren't winning. Mark Sanchez goes to the AFC Championship game his first two years. And you thought that he would be the guy. That would be the face of this team for a decade plus. And then it all kind of fell apart, right? After what, four years or whatever. And then Mark Sanchez was someplace else. And then the next guy was drafted in Geno Smith. And then that fell apart. And then it was on to the next guy and on to the, you know, so it's like a revolving door. But then once they got past all that, it was, Sam Darnold was drafted third overall, one pick after Saquon Barkley. Remember, Jet fans that year in 2018 when Dave Gettleman turned in the card with Saquon Barkley's name on it, second overall, a lot of Jet fans were probably saying, thank you, thank you, you left us Darnold. You left us Darnold. And then they turned in that card and took Darnold, and it didn't work out. And then they drafted Zach Wilson, and then that didn't work out. Who's next? Said it's like the price is right. Come on down. You're the next contestant in the Jets quarterback game. Who is it? Aaron Rodgers. Four plays into the season. Done. And that's why, by the way, boys and girls, and we're going to have weeks and months to talk about this. I don't know where the Jets are going to be drafting. I have no idea. We'll find out Sunday. But given the fan, I've said this. Given the fact your quarterback next year is going to be 40 years old, and at least for maybe the next couple of years, if he has it his way, you got to go all in to make sure you maximize as much of the Aaron Rodgers era that you can. And that's why drafting a quarterback with your first-round pick, which is going to be a top-10 pick, I don't think is conducive to maximizing that return. you got to get guys in here that will contribute immediately. Next year and the year after that, and as long as that guy is your quarterback. 
This past year, they took Will McDonald in the first round. Will McDonald might blossom into a nice player, but Will McDonald was a project this year. He wasn't expected to come in and play significant snaps, and he hasn't. And that's a first-round pick that they got little contribution from this year. And it's a win-now team again next year.